This week on the Access Louisville podcast, we talk the business first new publisher, Lisa Benson, plus Top Golf gets approved, and Norton and U of L getting along. It's going to be a weird one. Stick around. Thanks for joining us. My name's David Mann, and joining me today is publisher-to-be Lisa Benson. Hello, audience. <laughs> and my fellow reporters, Marty Finley. Hello. And Chris Larson. Hey, how's it going? On Access Louisville, we bring you the latest news and sharp opinions on this city we love. You may have heard of it. It's called Louisville, Kentucky. But before we do that, I'm going to start this show the way I always do with a difficult question for our panel. This one comes from a reader, or excuse me, a listener, Rennie Jackson, who asked us what we think of the infrastructure downtown, as well as the signaling devices for visually impaired, signaling devices for visually impaired in the downtown intersections. As far as the visually impaired signaling devices, I say the more the merrier, and I think that makes our city um, you know, very accessible. But I do want to get you guys' opinions on the uh, the level of construction that's taking place downtown. It seems like a lot is going on. It's gotten a little better in the last few weeks uh, or in the last few months with the uh, convention center opening and 4th Street uh, clearing up a little bit with that apartment project now down. But uh, I guess, are we doing too fast? Uh, do we need to slow down on the infrastructure improvement? Uh, Marty, I'll go to you first on this one. Well, it depends on what you're talking about. If you're talking about large-scale infrastructure, right? a lot of these are just water mains that are breaking. They really are. Sort of emergency fixes yeah. that take three or four days. The problem you have in Louisville, especially downtown, is all the infrastructure is really old. Yeah. And now you've got so much stuff like the Omni, Center, everything just requires more and more capacity. Yeah, yeah. So things are going to break more. I think when the apartment... you have to upgrade them as these things happen. Yeah, when the apartments went in on 4th Street, um, it seemed like they had to... They probably had to put in all new pipes because that's a, that's a lot of... I mean, um, there was an old uh, rundown units. office building there that was not really being used. Yeah, probably you know, wasn't giant, using as many... John apartment <laughs> complex, so... Yeah, so... Um, and I totally get that. You know, I mean, we need to take care of our water mains. I, I read some stat. This could be a totally made-up statistic, but... 75% of our days in 2019 have had rain, so yeah. sewers are being taxed. We definitely mm-hmm. need to take care of them, but I kind of feel like the next car I need to buy should be one of these African safari vehicles because you can get the rocky state of downtown roads, it's right. just my little Toyota can't take it. Mm-hmm. So I, coming, coming down Muhammad Ali Boulevard the other day was like, uh, it made my teeth hurt by yeah. the time I got to my parking garage. So I think a better job on smoothing after the yeah. repairs are done yeah. would be better very grading. helpful for drivers and one thing that has been rough for me i don't drive a whole lot downtown what i do is uh rent bird scooters to get to my appointments that are downtown mm-hmm. and trying to take a little electric scooter across some of these bumpier roads is let me tell you that's it's, an it's adventure a trip. talk about your teeth it hurting, is huh? it is and w- but w- the worst part of trying to get around downtown with these scooters is the steel plates that are put over you know just open open construction sites there's a, obviously there's a hole you know in the ground they can't cover up because they got to go back and work on it but if you're going on a, a little scooter that's got wheels, you know, just the size of a big cookie. Right. And you hit those going, you know, 15 miles an hour, it's you going to it. knock you off your scooter. <laughs> and it did the first time I ever hit one of those uh, steel plates on my, on Ooh. one of those scooters. Luckily, I landed on my feet. Yeah. I might have broken a bone in my You've foot. You've got those cat-like so reflexes. So. Chris is a good guy. He can, he can <laughs> react to that kind yeah. of stuff. So. I'm, uh, physically, I was fine, but it was super embarrassing because there's like a group of students that saw me 
just just about eat it on one of these scooters. Uh, yeah, well, your pride was hurt. Um, you know, one great suggestion that our uh, editor, uh, Shay Van Hoy, uh, suggested is kind of like bird scooters, we should just have uh, backhoes where you can just uh, download an <laughs> app, you rent them, you fix a water main real quick, and then you just leave the backhoe for the next water main that needs to be fixed. So. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. It makes you feel better. Uh, Shay and I just got back from Charlotte, and they were having as much downtown not only construction but road infrastructure work is if not more than we were so we were our uber and lyft drivers are dodging a lot of the same things we're dodging here in Louisville. yeah it would be nice to have all the streets uh be smoothed out um right now i think it's just a patch it's patch jobs all over town mm-hmm. I, you know it it's a shame but it, you know i think it's just growing pains and and just part of that those infrastructure upgrades that you mentioned so uh really appreciate the question rennie i really hope i'm pronouncing your name right uh rennie asked me that question by email which you can as well my email address is dman at bizjournals.com i will try not to screw it up as bad as i screwed up that one when i was reading it um but uh, feel free to email me if you have any topics that you would like us to discuss on the show or news tips for business first to cover on its website as well Switching gears now. Lisa, you've been executive editor here for three years. Is that right? That's right. Three and a half. Three and a half. And you're uh, starting as publisher on uh, July 1st. So first of all, congratulations. Thank We've you very much. We've known this for months and have said congratulations a bunch of times. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know. Uh, it's been it's, a long transition. <laughs> it has. You know, it feels like. Um, um, when did you get? When did you first announce it? Was it in May? It was in May. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, it feels like it's been a couple of months. So, um, so now that's uh, we're getting close to it. Congrats again! And I guess you know, just tell us, uh, you know, for our, our readers, our listeners, you know, how might we see our products evolve? In, uh, you know, with you now at the helm of the uh, uh, the publisher's office. Yeah. Thanks. Um, well, first of all, I kind of want to describe what a publisher does because I think people who are not in our industry maybe not maybe wouldn't understand completely. But what I've been doing over the past three and a half years is leading our news operations, so overseeing the vision and direction of the editorial operations. And then we have an advertising director who oversees the uh, revenue side of the house. And the publisher is really over both, so it's leading the overall operations of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a totally new world for me. I've been growing up in the news business for twenty years. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited about the new challenge and and all the new opportunities we have. What I plan to do over the next 100 days is meet with 100 CEOs. Wow, that's a bold ambition. It is a bold ambition, <laughs> and I and I'll report back on the podcast if I'm able to achieve that in the next 100 days. Yeah. Um, but so I'm right now I'm scheduling meetings with a lot of folks all across town with the idea of just going out and kind of going on a listening tour mm-hmm. and talking with folks to find out um, you know what's going on in their business right now, what are the challenges? Where mm-hmm. are the successes and where does business first fit in? What mm-hmm. do they think about us? Mm-hmm. What do they want from us? What products are out there that we're not offering them? What stories should we be telling? So I'm going to gather all this information and bring it back home and hopefully come up with some really cool new stuff for us to do. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, that is a question we're always asking people, you know, what should we be covering? Mm-hmm. Um, the media business obviously is changing a lot. So, um, 
uh, I think there's, you know, we're doing stuff like this. You, if you look on our website, you probably notice the videos uh, on there. We've experimented with that. In the Absolutely. Past, so. Trying to offer more video. A big passion of mine is women in leadership. So we're trying to launch a new educational series for women in leadership positions. Mm-hmm. So that's something we're trying to get off the ground right now and, and find partners for. And um, diversity, equity, inclusion is, is a really important conversation that's going on in the community. So trying to find ways that Business First can plug into that. So um, my ears are open and I really hope people will reach out and and let us know what they want from us and how we can help. For sure. All right. So you have, for the past three and a half years, looked at all our copy. Um, you see it. And people sometimes say, hey, do you have editors? We do. And uh, <laughs> we have th- we have three of them that read our copy uh, every day. And, um, uh, you know, if you saw some of the stuff that Lisa has mm-hmm. picked out of our stories, I'm sure it would uh, it, it, it would make you laugh at least um, because we write a lot uh, and uh, you know we're, we move very fast and sometimes we say stupid things in print. Um, so Lisa, what's the funniest thing you've ever edited out of a story? It, it could be here, it could be at your previous post in Cincinnati. So I'm definitely not going to pick on anything you guys have written while you're sitting here I at the table with me. Figured That's, you would. You guys are excellent. <laughs> this is a table of excellence. Um, but there was a certain reporter in my past that I worked with quite a bit. And I think at some point I had given him some uh, feedback about a verb that he used that I really liked. Um, You know, it was a really active verb, it really punched up the sentence. And I was like, good job on using that verb. And I think he took that feedback and just ran with it and started using these crazy words. He he loved the word rocketing. So he would write (laughs) about things that were growing or increasing. So sales rocketed. Everything rocketed. 10%. And yeah, and I'm like, 10% doesn't feel like a rocket to me. It feels like, you know, good increase, <laughs> but I don't know if we're rocketing there. More like or, a bicycle. Right. <laughs> More yeah. like a bicycle. And, or uh, plummeting. Sales plummeted 2%. Or the stock was <laughs> hammered. I mean, he just... And I diligently edited these things out, but he just did not pick up on it. He just kept plugging these things in. Um, he was probably like, there it is again, man, rocketing. Do, doing a good job. Yeah, exactly. So, And it just got to be really funny. You know, like I just very uh, expected every time that I would open his copy, this these great, bizarre, insane verbs that he would use. And he, al- he also had this, he, he had this story where he wrote about, um, he was using an illusion of somebody climbing a ladder, but he said climbing a totem pole, climbing the rungs of a totem pole. I'm like, that, that's that's not anything anybody actually does. <laughs> first of all, like, wh- how many totem poles do you encounter in you know your daily One, life? One, two, and second, tops. that's like super disrespectful to climb a totem pole. Yeah, there's yeah. not really rungs on a totem there's pole. There's not rungs, yeah. so it was just he would throw it's these things into not, stories um, that were just crazy. Yeah, it's it's probably not uh, cool to climb a totem no, pole. No, I don't they, think it's think cool they, at all. I don't know what they are used to mark, but I think it's yeah. a spiritual thing. Yeah. So. It was fun. I mean, so the moral of the story is tip your editors because they cut a lot of crap out of the news that you that ends yeah. up in readers' hands. Yeah, and, um, you know, like I said, uh, we I, I know I've made plenty of, uh, of dumb, I've put plenty of dumb things in stories. Um, and, uh, and I'm sure Lisa has, has pulled them out of there for me. So appreciate that for sure. Do you guys have any, uh, I'm, it's not like you're going away forever, no, what is this like? but, um, uh, do you guys have any good Lisa as editor stories you'd oh. like to share? Chris has a it. big smile on yeah. his this face. Right. I do. Into a roast. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I said none of that. Yeah. No, but you know, this is actually something I'm surprised you didn't bring up. Uh, so I was working on a, I think it was a headline for a deal story that, um, you know, that I was working on, I think it was last year, 
we're, we're trying to come up with a really strong verb, something that would punch up the headline a little bit. And we wanted the verb to be around like make like making a deal um, and out just spitball and throwing words out there. I said the word covenant to like as part of like the deal making. So process. they're making a covenant rather promise than making it, a you know, yeah. firm promise. Gotcha. Right? Just came to the top of my mind and it came out, came out of my mouth before I really had a chance to think about it. And didn't even make it to the story. It got cut down by the editor. At least it told me to take a lap. Take a lap. Yeah, that and the phrase take a lap for any you know, bad joke or bad word suggestion has kind of stuck in the newsroom. Yeah. yeah. Covenant was a bad one. That was a bad one. That deserved a lap. <laughs> a did. lap of shame. Yeah. How about you, Marty? I guess one of my uh, favorite stories was actually when we were getting ready to break the news that Duluth was coming to Whiskey Road, Duluth Trading Company. We had found out a, probably four or five months before we reported because a source had told us, but we were trying to get more people to confirm it and someone on the record. And I think we about had three or four sources when we ended up going with it. None of them on the record. So Lisa and I had a little bit of an argument in her office. Uh, she wanted to go with it with the sources. I wanted to try to get someone on the record that we could cite in the story. So we went around and back and forth for maybe half an hour or close to it. The funny thing was, is by the end of it, I was all for going with it. She had convinced me, and then she started second-guessing herself <laughs> a little bit once I got on board. So I just said, hey, you finally talked me into You can't back out on me now. We got to go with this. So we did. We faced a little bit of blowback, but it had been a good story. We broke it. Yeah. Uh, it was a big deal for downtown Louisville getting a big retailer like that. So, But it was just fun, and that gives you a little bit of a glimpse in that we do sometimes butt heads, but, you know, um, it's just funny because that, that was a case where we sort of switched positions by the end of it. She came back around. I think I got nervous that you were agreeing with me. I'm like, whoa, wait, what is wait, this wait, going wait. on? <laughs> Maybe I'm in the wrong here. Yeah. So I'll share one. Uh, I'm naming this podcast, actually. I wanted to call it the Podcast Louisville. And Lisa did not like that suggestion. And I was just like, we're going to call it Podcast Louisville. <laughs> and Lisa was like, no, we're not. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, I think we are. And she goes, no, no, we're going to keep thinking. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I think we're done thinking. And she's like, no, nah, no, nah, we're going <laughs> to keep thinking. And it was like we went back and forth like that for like, I don't know, five minutes or something. Then I went back, sat at my desk, and she sent me an email and said, what about Access Louisville? And I was like, love it. So that's, yeah. that's how the, we arrived at this name. I don't know if you guys out there love it or not, but uh, that's, that's the backstory. On it. That's some of the stuff I'll miss is disagreeing and fighting with you guys in the newsroom. I'll have to find new ways to do it now. Yeah. You still um, come over and do it every now and then. I mean, it's nothing stopping you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to definitely do that. True. And, um, you know, I don't visit the publisher's office much. I'm always afraid that my cheap shoes will scuff up the gold staircase that uh, <laughs> that leads to your new office. But uh, but I'll maybe come up and visit you. Too, so. Maybe we'll get some booties or something. Yeah, yeah. Some, you know, like like when, a when the plumber comes, plumber comes in town. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get some of those. Um, all right, let's switch gears. Top golf. This is the uh, the story that Marty has uh, pretty much. I think I think Marty has owned this story uh, since he broke the the initial news that it was coming to town, and uh, and now um, you know there was a lawsuit, there was a fight, uh, some neighbors challenged whether or not it should go at Oxmoor Center, uh, but the judge made a decision last week, and uh, Marty, despite being out of town. Uh, had a byline story about uh, about this, so uh, talk to us about uh, Marty. I guess uh, you know you think there's going to be an appeal on this Top Golf decision. Yeah, so yeah, that that came down last week. I think on Thursday, we've been waiting for it. We knew it was coming right. because they had the hearing last month. So, um, and I just had a feeling when I went out of town, I made sure everyone was on high alert because I'm like, I feel this is going to happen while I'm gone, and lo and behold, that's what happened. But um, yeah, so now we're in the process where they could take it to the appellate court 
the little wrench in this is that they approved this appeal bond bill. The legislature did a few years ago that if you go to the appellate court, you may have to put up a bond that you would have to pay out if you lose. Hmm. That can be anywhere from $100,000 to $250,000. So it makes 000. appealing riskier. It makes it riskier. I mean, you have to have, you got to put the money up front too. So you got to yeah. have the money. Um, if it's deemed frivolous, you could have to pay out two hundred fifty. If it's deemed with merit, the judge could still make you pay a hundred grand if you lose. Right. Um, so now they're de- kind of debating that they have thirty day window, which is now closer to three weeks. Um, and their attorney Steve Porter said they're they're still looking into it, but they don't know what they're going to do. The thing Porter has said is he feels like the the appeal bond bill is unconstitutional. Yeah. But he also wants to challenge it. The problem is the timing's not going to work. With the Top Golf suit, you're not going to be able to overturn the bill, uh, the bond bill, before the Top Golf case is going to be resolved. So that's that's a pretty sticky issue they have to figure out. Because even if they are able to overturn it, it's they're probably not going to benefit from it because of the timing. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, these these are affluent people that live in an affluent neighborhood, but they've lost at every level now. So right, are they going to say we've lost it in the courts? We've lost at Metro Council. Yeah, do we've you lost keep fighting it or, Yeah. I mean, they're not, they're not dummies. I mean, like I said, they're affluent people. They're, they're engineers, doctors, lawyers. So they're successful people. So they're probably just weighing yeah. the pros and cons at this point. Um, is there any word on when it's going to start? Well, we don't know. They would have to get all their building permits. That can take a few months. And yeah. then they said it would take about 18 months start to finish once they get there, which is pretty common for a project of that size. So they're going to want to get them as soon as possible, I think, once, once they get the go-ahead. So. What's been your favorite part of cover in this story? The hearings, probably. Really? Uh, those are long. How long? Oh, well, it was the best of times and worst of times, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's the this, moments you remember. <laughs> you know, the amount of feedback that you were get, we were getting on Twitter, not just me, but all the reporters there. I mean, so much interest. I had never gotten that kind of. We had people from Los Angeles and Chicago and like tweeting at us, like they're just all enraptured by what's going on in this little room at U of L. So. That was just kind of cool to see the reach that our tweets were getting with, yeah. these, with these kinds of I think you tweets. did a really great job, too, on the Twitter coverage that you did. Everybody should follow at BF Lou Marty for future tweet storms from, from meetings such from as meetings this. From meetings that you, really you don't want to go to, but you want Marty right, to Right, exactly. To. And you really gave us this great color about, you know, what the room looked like and yeah. who was speaking and giving us quotes from, you know, crazy upset people. I think you once tweeted that someone had fallen asleep beside you. Is, yeah, that? I think that might have been Marcus. Oh, okay, maybe I was DRB, sorry. But, sorry, Marcus. But they all kind of run together. <laughs> I did. But no, I was tweeting about every little thing. I had someone come back and tell me like, we're going to go to midnight. So I was just tweeting these little things that people tell me, you know, the cops were closing the doors and not letting anyone else in because if they did, it would be a fire hazard. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it was just some of the color, like you said, that made these hearings really interesting. Yeah. Are you guys going to play at Top Golf? Oh yeah, I think we have to if they if they build it just for the experience. Yeah, I've never golfed ever. I've really? never uh, even well, I guess you putt putt. Yeah, putt-putt, but yeah. not actually swing a driver. So, is it possible for somebody who's never golfed to go and and swing a driver and not mortally injure someone? Just I, I think so. Yeah. Um, I famously on the pages of Business First learned, got a golf lesson and. Uh, and I felt like within a couple of swings, I was at least making contact. Yeah. I probably wasn't doing great. You didn't, like, hurl it off into the into the Or just, field. like, fall As long as you don't take out the person next to you with the club, I think. I know. That's yeah. what I'm worried about. You're a golfer, your grip. I'm not a golfer at all. My, I had my uncle, who's a really avid golfer. He, he, does some, he did some amateur stuff when he was younger. Tried to teach me how to golf. And we spent, like, an entire afternoon. And by the end of it, he said, you know, why don't you go ahead and just stick to basketball? And football? <laughs> 
Brutal honesty. Brutal yeah. honesty. No, what you're looking for. No there. hope. Yeah. 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 Speaking of brutal, switch gears again. Let's talk about Norton and U of L. Two, uh, two organizations involved in healthcare in Louisville. Uh, they used to fight. Uh, it's specifically over pediatrics. But uh, this week, the university uh, announced that it was in serious talks with Norton about the future of its pediatrics practice. Uh, the two parties have a letter of intent uh, that, if finalized, would uh, transfer many of the pediatrics employees to Norton Children's Hospital. So many, um, many U of L employees would go to become uh, Norton Children's Hospital employees. Is that right, Chris? I think that's how I understood it. Yeah. So what is being transferred here effectively is the clinical operations that U of L has in pediatrics. So. Uh, a lot of the physicians that work for the University of Louisville do, you know, they see patients, they take care of patients, but they're also researchers. Uh, they also do, and they do uh, teaching work within the University of Louisville as well. So you ha- kind of have these three parts to being a, uh, you know, a physician or some kind of expert at University of Louisville's uh, healthcare operations. So what's being transferred over is the clinical part of that. So the doctors that are already doing you know work in the community as pediatricians and you know pediatric specialists are already working at a bunch of the Norton facilities. Sure. Uh, but what is now being transferred is their employment as clinicians over to Norton. U of L will still have an employment contract with these with these physicians as researchers and as educators, and they're going to have to. And by the Norton Healthcare and U of L are going to jointly manage this newly united. Uh, new pediatrics mm-hmm. uh, enterprise that they have. So was this surprising to you? Like, it was surprising to me as someone who covered it years ago when Norton and U of L were kind of at each other's throats on pediatrics. So, what did you think when you saw this news? It was it was surprising. So the 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 troubles that the University of Louisville and Norton had over the pediatrics previously was before my time here in Louisville. So I don't have that institutional memory to kind of draw on, but. Regardless of that, it was very surprising. As far as I know, this didn't get known publicly until it was actually announced after a recent board of trustees meeting. We went to, uh, reporters went to the board of trustees meeting where board of trustees was expected to pass U of L's budget, a very straightforward kind of meeting. But then during the meeting, they had an executive session to, Mm -hmm. it was just disclosed, to discuss a specific business proposal. This happens all the time. We don't always get news out out of it. But afterwards, the chairman, David Grissom, reads this announcement saying, we're going to go, we signed a letter of intent to go into this deal with Norton Healthcare. And all the reporters kind of start looking around like at each other and they start looking at like, looking at the PR folks with U of L, like, you're going to, you're going to tell us more about this. And Neely Bendapudi and uh, the head of U of L's pediatric or interim chair for the pediatric department sat down and and uh, you know, and talk to us you know, after the meeting to kind of give us a lowdown. They released the letter of intent, which gave us a kind of a surprising level of transparency on the deal, at least at the beginning. Yeah, and this is the second big healthcare story we've gotten over the last uh, few weeks involving U of L. The other one being that U of L wouldn't take on Jewish Hospital, uh, which I thought was troubling. You know, we've been watching. I know that uh, the Kentucky, uh, yeah, Kentucky One Health um, has had uh, has been looking to. Uh, uh, get a partner in that hospital, uh, you know, and is the fact that U of L isn't interested, you know, does that signal that? I mean, is there any possibility that this hospital closes? I mean, 
to be completely honest, I don't know. And there's only a small handful of people who actually know what the fate of you know Jewish Hospital and the rest of the Kentucky One assets are going to be. But in my estimation, it's just as likely that you know Jewish Hospital closes as it does staying open right now. As far as we know, there's not a clear, specific plan for the future of the hospital. And anytime you have uncertainty over something as important as a hospital, mm-hmm. over time that just that that tears down the hospital, it kills morale. People right, want to leave or move right, on to right. more stable places, and that's just not sustainable. Yeah. Um, there is news, at least coming from the Kentucky One Health folks, that Blue Mountain Capital Management, a private equity, private equity firm that said that they were going to work on a deal back in December 2017, is still at the negotiating table. It's almost been, it's been it's 18 been months, yeah. almost, I mean, almost two years, and there hasn't been any kind of specific announcement on what those talks are, are looking like. Yeah, I mean, can you guys imagine what that would mean for the downtown area, you know, to lose that hospital? Um, you know, the, obviously, the, Marty, you've reported on the uh, empty office towers that we have. I mean, th- that is a very prominent part of our scala and the Jewish hospital uh, building. So, uh, you know, what does that do to our downtown? To have well, as you, as you said, people are already starting to panic a little bit over some of the things that's happening with our office towers. We've got some that are right. close to being half empty, and we've got some B buildings that are completely empty, some Class B office properties. So... It would just be another th- blow, I guess, you know, yeah. uh, that we would see um, because of the sheer size of Jewish Hospital. It is a, ma- uh, a big building in a very prominent location downtown. So, yeah. you know, there would probably be some, I don't know exactly what the, what the blowback would be, but it, would, it wouldn't be good for business. I can sure, yeah, we talk about the downtown streets. I mean, uh, there wouldn't be anybody driving on them. <laughs> yeah, and of course, you know, if things are abandoned, they just, they start to age quicker and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they dilapidate quicker. And so you would... You would have a basically a potentially dilapidated uh, hospital setting. Not a lot downtown. of reuse possibilities for no. a closed hospital as mm-hmm. well. And so. who's going to yeah. take on the cost of tearing that thing down and building something in its place? Yeah. And the demolition uh, alone would cost millions. I don't know how old it is, Chris. Do you know? I uh, can't recall off the top of my head. We will look uh, that up. It, some, and we will find we'll out for our next I wanna, story. You know, I want to <laughs> say, you know, construction wrapped up on Jewish Hospital, as we understand it today, I believe, in the, in the 80s. Yeah. So this is something that's been talked about before. There's a lot of deferred maintenance on the building that needs to be done to bring it back up to a you know kind of a modern standard, and that's mm-hmm. one reason that's been kind of discussed kind of unofficially as one reason why Jewish Hospital wouldn't be a desirable hospital to own and manage. Mm. Yeah, scary stuff. And I know the healthcare landscape changed a lot um, with the onslaught of Obamacare and then the pulling back of Obamacare. Um, kind of, uh, there's still a lot of question marks on. Uh, just uh, the the money in healthcare and the business in healthcare. So, um, so on that grim note, that's <laughs> where we're going to end it. Sorry, you're just going to have to I don't know go listen to some uplifting music or something, um, and maybe maybe cheer up a little bit. Uh, but that is all we have for you this week. Uh, we're a new weekly show, and we really appreciate you guys checking us out. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, or elsewhere that fine podcasts are subscribed to. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Marty. And until next time, bye.